Hi. Welcome back. Hi. Oh, oh. I'm Ryan. I'm Andre. Oh, good. So thanks for coming. Lamb, Lamb, Lambert. Lambier. Lambeard. Not lamb not to be confused with Lambert. No, that's French. That can be Ole Wine. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I've never been a fan of that shit. The show was better. The show was I don't even know what the show was. Because he lived on a boat the on name, his I was like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit about it. I've that. never understood. I mean, how I always thought it was everyone was like was like, Oh, you're like Christopher Lambert. I'm like, no, it's no. Lambert because I'm Irish right. and he's a fucking French asshole. <laughs> right. He comes across. I don't know. Is he a French asshole? I don't know. Are French assholes different than other regular assholes? I would say French assholes are different than Irish nice people. Is that all the butter? Because (laughs) everyone. The Kerrygold? On both sides. You're talking about the Kerrygold? The Kerrygold. No, that's good butter. You gotta get me some of that Kerrygold. That's a nice smooth asshole. (laughs) But the Kerrygold. Anyway, I'm. You are. I am. I am. You are. I. I don't know. And this is anymore. Uh, it's too. It's, too, it's a little fucking hot here today, so I have no idea who I am. And I'm. And then we're gonna do Squadcast. Squadcast. But we, we have, have a guest. <laughs> we have a guest today. Who are you? I'm the Italian asshole for the day. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, we need one of those. Yeah. We need more. And of them. former New Yorker, so definitely an asshole. For, Perfect. Totally an asshole. Yeah. But you've been in LA forever. Nine years now, actually. As of last who, week. Tell them who you are. I am Rob Gluzo, aka Rob G. Uh, I'm the co-host of the Shockwaves podcast, which you find gentlemen have been on. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was Killer POV, and currently, I am the director of distribution for Epic Pictures' Dread Central Presents label. Whoa, whoa, a lot of words there. Whoa, yeah. So we'll talk a little about it. Just, <laughs> just explain what that means and what you do, real quick. So you acquire that. Yeah, it's as, it's as simple as that. They they have a horror label, Epic Pictures is a little independent company it's been around for 10 years and they've done some cool quirky movies like Turbo Kid and Big Ass Spider and Tales of Halloween love Turbo Kid love, love the makers Turbo Kid. of Turbo Kid yes. they're my buds now yes and so basically uh, but they also do dramas and like family films and animated stuff so uh, they had acquired or bought a piece of the Dread Central website last year and since they have that name now they decided to kind of push all the genre stuff under the name Dread Central Presents. So it's still Epic Pictures, but kind of to differentiate from the other stuff they do. And basically they brought me on board to watch all the movies and say, hey, we should put this out. This oh, is that sucks. Weird. You get Wait, to watch all the movies. you got a job just like watching movies? Is that your yes. Job? Yeah. <laughs> should we throw them over the side? It's not should we throw them over the side now? It's a window over there. So it's, <laughs> hey! It is work, let me tell I you. Because oh, um, you guys have done the festival circuit. But imagine that we also nobody. Did short ends where we watch trillions, you watch a lot of, of trillions stuff. of stuff. Yeah, and so it's not all fun. No, sure. Uh, but it is vindicating when you find that one gem. It's, be, it'd be it's the same as being at a festival and you just see something. You see something. And you're like, wow! I can't wait to tell all my friends about it. So it's it's funny because it's that on a. I did that as a kid, as a teenager. I was the one that would find the weirdo movies like Dead Alive or you know the early Carpenter stuff and make all my friends watch them. Right. Uh, and so now I get to do that on a grand scale. Where it's like so. What, so the the films are already completed. Yeah, and then they're just picking up the distribution. Yes, got it. Yeah, yeah. They with make what their you, own with films. what you do. Yeah, yeah. Epic develops some next stuff too, but Dread Central acquisitions. You're out there trying to find that next film for that label. Yes. Yeah. Did you find the film that I cannot fucking wait to see? Uh oh. <laughs> um. The Hitler Bigfoot movie. 
That was actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was co. Uh, and tell was, say say the, the full title. Okay. The, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, that I is that is a co-production with Epic Pictures, so it's actually one of their own films. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, it doesn't really fall in. I'm super excited about it. Uh, it. Doesn't really fall in the horror genre. It's actually, despite the title, it's actually totally serious and like. Oh, I've read forward. all about it. No, I. I and and I remember right. when I first started, they had like um, I don't know what you call it. I guess like a pitch document, a pitch booklet for it. And so I saw the title, and I just thought, oh, that's going to be a goofy movie or whatever. Uh, but then oh, I like turn the first page. It says the man <laughs> Sam Elliott. I'm like, oh, I'm in. Co-produced by John Sayles, Lucky McKee, and I'm like, holy smoke! Wait, Forget this is what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've since seen the movie. It's gonna. I think it premieres at Fantasia. It's about to start its festival run, and I'll be curious to hear what people think of it because it is not what you think. Right. But it's actually really, really cool. Yeah, I've done a little research on it, and it seems like something that would be... It, 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 I mean, obviously, there's got to be a little bit of quirkiness to it. But um, Yes. Um, not as the title suggests, there might be a little more underlying, like, heaviness to it. Yeah. yeah. Super heavy. Yeah, I'm down. Believe it or not. Well, you know what? I'd watch Sam Elliott do anything for two hours, so... You, have you ever seen Lifeguard? No. Uh, <laughs> have you ever seen Lifeguard? Yeah, a long time ago. Oh my yeah, god! I, I need, to, I totally need to revisit. That might be a homework. Tomorrow assignment. night you are watching Lifeguard. Oh, just get a fuck, get a thing of popcorn, <laughs> and watch Sam Elliott Lifeguard. All yeah, right, it is fantastico. And you've never seen him like this. He's, just, he's well, he's a lifeguard. <laughs> what is there more to it? No. Sam Elliott is a lifeguard. That's it. I'll watch it because it's Sam Elliott. But it's it's eighty-eight and a half minutes of him sitting on a deck. (laughs) That is it. Wow. And and every fifteen or sixteen minutes, he Mm. goes. There's literally nothing to it. But you, it's Sam Elliott, so you wait fifteen minutes for the the music uh, and the the nobody delivers like him. I will. I will. When we're off air, I will show you a little something that that uh, nobody's seen. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Look at us. Nice. We're like big time nice. now. <laughs> VIP, VIPs. Um, so, <laughs> so you're doing that. Yes. But also you have another project that you have created on your own. This could be the first time I'll talk about it publicly, believe it or not. Are we allowed to? Yeah, we can. Uh, there's, there's you don't no, have to go too far into there's it. There's no I... secret. It was just kind of, I learned the hard way because this is the funny thing. There's not a single creative endeavor in my entire life that anyone has given me money for. It's not like someone someone's shown up and be like, you know what? Here's a bunch of money. You should make an album or you should make this or whatever. It's always been on my own with a couple of friends on the weekends for years on end. Okay. Like everything that's come from me directly. So my first documentary was The Psycho Legacy, which was about the Psycho movies. Which was awesome. Well, thank you. And that was all done... Uh, with a lot of scotch tape and love over three years every weekend. You might be the only person I know that likes the whole run. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> the four Perkins one. Okay. I, I don't not the Bud Court. The Bud Court one. I what about include. Bates Motel? The show is great. I love the I show. I love the show. Not the remake at all, although I'm fascinated by it. I, uh, I was t- yeah, the other day we were talking about the remake. Yeah. It's we, not that's good. A, that's, that's almost a whole one episode. that you're like, Shouldn't touch. No, and I mean, well, it's pretty funny. But then it's like ballsy well, to actually touch this. it. Let right? me ask. Yeah, because you know, let not me ask you this. Balls, like, we were talking to about touch the, it. 
away. You can do whatever you want. Don't, don't touch my phone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> we were talking the other night about We're both it, left-handed, so it's totally it fine. Exper- was it an experiment, or was it a, like, um, was Gus, like, experimenting, or was he, s- I don't want to say spoof. I can tell you, because... Basically, because here's the here's the only incentive. Well, I don't want to say this because <laughs> I learned a long time ago that it's not right to shit on any movie, no matter what it is, because somebody loves it. And I remember this because I used to work in Amoeba in Hollywood, and I worked in the video department for minimum wage, struggling. But those are the I just put out the Psycho Legacy, and I was literally putting it out on the shelf at Amoeba, making minimum oh my wage. God. Nice. So it's it goes in ebbs and flows. Yeah. That's a good but the story. point is, I remember like everyone. You would shit on Van Helsing, the Stephen Summers movie with Hugh Jackman fighting. Who's Van Helsing? Anyway, if you I, don't know go by on, now, go on. Sounds all is lost. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> but the point is, like you know, everyone kind of like makes fun of that movie because it's got CG monsters sure. and it's terrible. Early whatever. tech CG monsters. Very right. early, uh, and it is pretty unforgivable. But I remember <laughs> a young girl had come in, like super excited, and asked for my helmet. She's like, "Do you have Van Helsing on DVD?" And I'm like, yeah, I think we do. And I found it for her. And she couldn't have been more excited. Like, I had made her Friday night because we had a DVD copy of Van Helsing in the store. Right. And when she left, I was like, you know what? Who the fuck am I? To, like, that, that literally made that girl's weekend. So maybe there is merit to every movie, regardless of what I think of it. And I, so I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I will never shit on any movie for that. However, because I'm a psycho expert or whatever... Uh, I was like, yeah, well, there's no need to buy the new Blu-ray that Screen Factory put out until they asked me if I would like to do a commentary for it, <laughs> oh, which I gladly did because I knew I'd done, I'd, I'd, before I did the Shockwave podcast, uh, one of my first podcast gigs was doing the official podcast for Dexter for the final two seasons, for right. season seven and eight, because I'd become really good friends with the writer-producer Scott Reynolds. He was a huge podcast fan. And he had asked me, he's like, hey, can you record and produce this thing with me? And there's a long story behind that. I said yes, that I was capable of doing it, even though I didn't know what I was doing. Basically, I lied just to get that gig. (laughs) But when I started it, the first thing, I met the two uh, editors on the show. They had two editors. And one of them was this guy named uh, Louis Chaufey, who got his start on Roger Corman movies, and now has gone on to be uh, Adam Wingard's lead editor. Like, he literally has done the last three Adam Wingard things. Mm-hmm. Uh, super cool guy from Brooklyn. And then the other editor was Amy Duddleton, who I adore. She did a few episodes oh, no. of American Gods. Okay. She did TV oh, World. She did Dexter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she but, edited American Gods? Yes. That's, just not, that's she no was, small feat. Yes. She was introduced to me, however, as her first gig was Van Sant Psycho. And I was like, you need to tell me everything. Like, I need to know everything. And so when I did the commentary with the Screen Factory Blu-ray, I was like, I'll, I'll do a new commentary with Amy. Right. And so she sat, and, and basically she's like, look, I understand everyone hates the movie. I get it. <laughs> I don't think everyone hates the movie. Someone's going to think I, mean, I, yes. I think there was always just a why factor. Yeah, and I that think, was my why biggest. are you he doing was, this? So he was, because he could. That was, that's the easy answer. But I think Apparently a- he had tried to remake Psycho for years. Ever since he first started, he's like, you know, it'd be cool. It's my favorite movie. I'd love to try to remaking it. Now, I don't know if the plan was always to do a shot for shot, but literally it was one of those situations where he had done Good Will Hunting, huge hit, and now he finally had the clout where they're like, you can make anything you want right now. Anything. And he's like, 
Well, you know that Psycho remake I've been asking about for years? Damn it. That's what I want to do. That's so Hollywood. And I'm going to do it <laughs> shot for shot. And they put a lot of money into it. And they had a lot of fun making it. But I don't it think was... it was a complete failure as a film, though. Like, I, I can watch it. I can get there. Yeah. I'm like, eh, this is fun, <laughs> watching Vince Vaughn. I, I, it, what I like about it is the try. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm watching the try. I'm like, good try. Well, they, they <laughs> answered their own question while they edited it, which is, can a movie be remade shot, shot for, for shot, shot in the same way that you could re-perform a play with different actors? It's still the same play, but can you translate oh, that idea of theater cinematically? Yeah. And the answer is no. <laughs> uh, but but they figured it out really quick because you know Amy had told me that, that she cut the shower scene shot for shot mm-hmm. and it didn't work the seventy two or all. whatever <laughs> and also pacing because pacing in nineteen sixty is different it's, than pacing in ninety eight and so you're watching a scene cut exactly the same way you're like but it just doesn't work because just audiences have advanced to the point where it's like well I, you know I would cut that a little yeah. different or I'd use this shot what or about Danny Elfman's score. The only good thing about that is that we've got it in 5.1. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing to take out, to take out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I digressed <laughs> tremendously there. No, that was deep. That was, that was, to the Psycho remake. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about my documentary, we yes. I think. Then we wanted, we, we yes, were. that's what I want to get back to. Yeah, and that was because, well, basically, I, I, the reason I haven't talked about it is because, because of, actually, I will name drop one time here. Uh, I remember working on the Psychodoc and again it's like I had no resources other than me and a couple of friends making it and it was one of those things and I know everybody can relate to this if you've been working on music or your own film or short or whatever the case is but it was James Wan the director of The Conjuring and the Saw movies and all that I remember posting I think on MySpace in those days about how we're almost done with the Psychodoc and I think he said you're still working on that documentary? And it's like the most heartbreaking thing ever because it's like, yes, I don't have the money or budget that you normally get for these things to complete it. If I would finish it in two months if somebody gave me the money up front. Sure. Right. But you're doing it on your own. And so part of my thing with this one is that I just don't want to talk about it until I could show you something, until it's almost done. But we are at the point now where it is almost done, so I'm comfortable talking about it for the first time ever with you guys almost Ooh, done shooting it or almost, almost done, done editing, editing. Almost, almost done, done editing it. nice yeah. and it is it's tentatively called analog love the long lost art of the mixtape i love and that. what is what it is is a documentary about making mixtapes and that that kind of lost art form i mean you know if you want to get if i want to be pretentious about it it's really about communicating through music because we do still do that it's just evolved in a completely different way and what what here's what inspired it I, I worked on this with my friend Joe Madry, who's a really great writer. He's done a couple of books. Um, he wrote Lance Hendrickson's biography. Uh, same for Tom McLaughlin, who had directed Friday the 13th 6. So he's really detail-oriented when it comes to horror and stuff like that and, and being analytical about it. And we had talked, we just met, and we talked quite a bit about just different ideas and things like that. I didn't know he was pitching me on a documentary, though. He was just saying things like, oh, what do you think of a documentary on, like, Stephen King adaptations and just that and I'm like well that's cool mm. but you'd have to get <laughs> King yeah right. uh, so there were a bunch of different types of ideas and I was like well I don't really want to do a horror thing again because that's all I'm known for and that's fine like it's a blessing and a curse at the same time but I don't want to do another you have an entire different side of yeah. you 
right. 100% that nobody cares about at all. Right. Like, at all. That's why <laughs> that's, that's, <a> fucking <laughs> gag, that's what we're talking about. Fuck we horror, all made fuck horror, horror, fuck films. Let's talk about music. Let's yeah. Go. And so, basically, it came from a conversation where he was pitching me on horror documentaries, and then, just randomly, at the time, he had a newborn girl, and he's, you know, happily married, but he had mentioned that an ex had gotten in touch recently, and I hope he doesn't mind me telling this story. I'm sure he won't. Uh, an ex had gotten in touch who was married to somebody else, actually the guy that she left him for, and was totally miserable, and had said, you know, can you make me mix the way you used to? And I was like, whoa! The way, whoa. The way whoa. you used to die. Was like, no, did, you, you don't Did do he it. know what that meant? Of course, he, that's what we got into we got this whole debate. He's, oh like, he's like, I'm a married man. You can't ask that of me. And I'm like, right? But you get, you get that. We immediately understood that that's what that meant. And yeah. it's like, nobody else understands what that means. And so I'm like, there's our doc. If we could remind people of, of just how, in, like, how meaningful that exchanges of music from a cassette that I'd be into. And so that's what we did. And it's funny because I, I worked in Amoeba for a couple of years and I was like, well, let's start there. I know so many characters because basically the way I look at it, a lot of people will not start a project unless they have all the money or all these names or whatever the case is. No, you just go. I, I want to start because then it's a real thing. Yeah, and then once, it's, once it becomes a real thing, then you get somebody like Henry Rollins, which is exactly what happened with us. Yeah, once it starts rolling, get... that's how you... Exactly. Yeah. And so we started shooting it like two and a half years ago, and we just kept shooting as much as we could, and one person led to another. And much like with the Psycho documentary, or even Icons of Fright, which is my first horror site, it came out of a, a place of being a little selfish, like, who do I want to talk to? Well, I want to interview that director or that actor or whoever. And so for me, it was all my heroes, like Henry Rollins I grew up on. Um, Jennifer Finch from L7 like L7 was like love my L7. favorite band growing up fucking love L7 love them I went after Kim Shattuck from the Mups and she'd recently played oh with the Pixies and so it's like well it's like an excuse a bunch in the, in the, um, the, the, the whiskey go-go yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. The yeah yeah I mean 90s, I love the Mups early 90s yeah yeah so speaking of whiskey excuse. bingo <laughs> there's like a huge thing right here there's um, my excuse to get in touch with so 90s what I, what, what I want to know is like okay so now we know the subject matter. Your mixtapes. Oh, um, I always associated them romantically. Yeah, that which was kind most, of my, most people do. That, that was kind of my, like, you know, in to the mixtape. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, like... I mean, I'm... There's a mixtape and there's a mixed CD. I'm talking about mixed tapes. No, we're talking tapes. tapes. We're doing tapes. A deck, we, we do, B deck. Yes. A, boom, ba- boom, a deck, boom, B boom. deck. Yeah. I'm going to put this one on here. And then this is going to be next. And then you're going to like write out all the things in the fold out of the cassette. Maybe there's going to be artwork. Maybe oh, you'll get there's creative definitely with magazines. Artwork. Cut some I stuff still out. have. God damn it, Jennifer, you're going to kill me. <laughs> but I still have tons of mixed tapes and CDs. Um, from someone who did that for me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's Molly Ringwald over here and Dweezil Zappa and, you know, there's there there was a lot of artwork going on. It wasn't just like, here. No, that's like, all part of the process. There was a serious seriously like you sat there for hours thinking about this. Yeah. And and really, like, 
put your heart and soul on the tape and the page. So that always fascinates me now where like, that doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's literally gone. You can't make a mixed... I don't know what it is. Like a playlist? playlist? Here's my workout it's playlist for Runyon Canyon. <laughs> yeah. Everyone come to my party. There's going right. to be this. Like, this is Party Jam 1 playlist on iTunes. Spears songs. No, but whatever. like what you were saying, and I think you, you covered it's, it's not only... The, there's kind of two sides to the mixtape. Sure in the film. There's also <laughs> yeah. the, the mixtape itself is the middle part. Yeah. But it's the process of making it. Which starts with why you want to make it. It's, and then it's the process of what you're going to put on it. And the order... Yeah, because no, the I mean, order is certainly important, orders. right? That's it's all so important. Well, okay, so there is well to me, <laughs> so, yeah, right? <laughs> well, we try we try to cover this, but basically the idea is is for most people it's romantically linked. You want to express yourself to a girl you like, so you make sure. your mixtape. That's kind of the given right, thing. Right, but the way that we did this was like, all right, well, let's do it. Start, you know, that's the funny thing about docs is you could have a rough idea and then you start putting it together, and then other things kind of emerge. But, but basically, I knew that the first half would be talking heads, which is basically the people looking directly into camera. Oh, talking, not the not talking. the not, talking. Not, not heads. talking. Okay, talking That's heads as in people talking. <laughs> yeah, talking heads, people looking directly into camera, giving their intimate stories because right. that way you, the audience, feel like Henry Rollins is talking to you when he tells you about his intimate story. And then I knew the second half would be narrative threats. So let's go and talk to different pairs of people because. There's obviously a husband and a wife that met over mixtape, but then there's a father and son, and then eventually we found a second generation father and son, and then a father and daughter. Uh, then there's bandmates. I mean, I was in bands with people all the time, sure. and that was the quickest way to communicate. Is like you want to turn, you want us to sound like this. Uh, here's all the bands that we should sound like. You know, hey, put up the flyer or the yeah, tack the thing. Yeah, on. you said these and are like, influences the or whatever the thing, Everybody. Everybody in the band should want to do this thing. Yeah, we should do that. And then it's you know just turning people on. I remember a personal experience is, uh, you know, I was getting into punk rock music and stuff, and there was a dude that worked at my local um, record store back in Long Island that was trying to turn me on to stuff. And so basically, and he was a couple years older, but he was like, "Oh, have you ever heard of this or that?" Or blah blah blah. And so basically, I went to his place with a blank tape. And literally, he played me records. And, you and anything I liked would go on the tape. And so that was the first time I heard yeah. PJ Harvey and the Jesus Lizard oh, and God, the birthday PJ. party and Nick Cave. Birthday and like, party. And, oh, my you God. Know, Fugazi. It's just like, Let's keep going on these things. Yeah. And it's, it's like, wow. And so there's that version of it, which is kind of funny. I always like to say it's the dude that works at the record store. The one that you go in, they see what you're buying, and they tell you, have you heard this? It's right. the same thing. It's, like, it's almost like the video, it's store. The video store guy. Yeah, it's like the movies. Yeah, yeah I used to do the same thing. Gems. That's why High Fidelity, the movie, worked in that. Yeah. Absolutely. Vain, because everyone went, yeah, I'm the music guy. I we have are, that store in my town. We, That's we, one of my favorite scenes lucky. in the movie when he goes, when, when the, like, do you have um Color Me Bad? No, it was like Whitney Houston, <laughs> right. I think. He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, get the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jack Black goes get the get fuck out of here. Too. <laughs> yeah, that's I love that movie. Um, it still works, right? Yeah. Song? It was. I think it was like. Um, he's definitely a Whitney Houston or something. That's like that. what friends are for. Yeah. My, yeah. my daughter loves that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, here it is. It's called. And then he gives her like a punk rocker. Yeah. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. There's brilliant stuff. In it. I love the book too, which I, I had that the too when I was a kid. I had that too when I was a kid because like I grew up in the '80s and like my whole thing was like punk rock, and I loved Black Flag and Circle Jerks, and I was like a little tiny kid. I don't know how I found all this shit, um, but it was my dad was trying to introduce me to like '60s, '50s, '40s, like soul rock and roll, and I was like, I'm in. Like he was like putting eight tracks. Is Jensen Healy while we were driving down the PCH, yeah. but I was, you know, at home listening to like Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and Grease, and like, what am I doing? And then eventually it was like, what the hell's this? And I found like, Sex Pistols, Ramones, Black Flag, blah blah, blah. and that was like my early '80s shit. It's like that kind of shaped me into that, and then obviously like, early '80s new wave, Elvis Costello was like one of my favorites the Go-Go's and then even Duran Duran you know and all I, I mean who didn't listen to Madonna Michael Jackson and Prince yeah. you couldn't like, get away from you, that, that, but, that was just, you had to go find all of the new cool but all the other stuff new wave, was like or really besides of new wave even amazing. when I was like 10 I was like who's the what's the clash yeah right and then I was like you know now I'm to this day like every day I'm singing She's in love with Jay Jones. Whoa, he loves the Jay. Like that's like my whole thing. But you know, we're shit. almost uh, lucky because we grew up in LA. Because in that time, if we're talking about new wave and punk time, eighty one, eighty two, we were lucky to have KROQ. But New York had WLIR. Have you it's seen called, that, Doc? It's K. K. No. That's a K. Rock is what well, I heard. K- I'm saying for people who don't know what K. Rock is. K. Rock. So we had K. Rock. But WLIR started it, and that's a great documentary. So really? that's oh, does another. That, does that come cool. off of like CBGBs and all that stuff? It's it, yes, and it's the first radio station that, that went and said we're going to play all this new shit, and they started the new wave movement in America wow. because they brought it over and found these great records for bands that would come over and play like CBGBs or these be- these Long Island clubs yeah, just as gigs and the disc jockeys and the program managers would go and be like we're going to play that okay. or they had friends in London that would send them something over and they would play it because none of the Manhattan radio stations yeah. would play it yeah I heard and that London if you haven't seen it yeah WILR it's a doc on it's on stars or something right now okay. it's fantastic check it out I've been trying to get you to watch it for uh, six months I love music docs you'll like yeah. this it, it's specifically catered towards just one radio station, but it's so guerrilla radio. Yeah, and um, like they're up in the attic of a thing, and they get kicked, like they get shut down, and they lose their license and all this shit. It's, it's but it's bonkers of how they are responsible for starting the new wave in America, and then K Rock kind of at the same time picked it up, and so it was East like Co- Rodney like, on the Rock used to like play stuff that play no one deep ever cut, heard. Right. Like it deep was cuts, like, like a B like side of a new wave thing. Yeah. And Rodney on the Rock is responsible for a lot of music. Duran Duran, for sure, on K-Rock. And if you want to hang out with Rodney on the Rock, you just go to the Denny's (laughs) at Gower Gulch every morning because he has his own fucking booth. That's awesome. I've had breakfast with him at Denny's because he just sits there. The guy that named the Bengals. Oh, yeah? Bengals? No, we're kidding. (laughs) So, mixtapes, you, like, what what was... um, I mean, I think you've kind of gone into, like, your inspiration on how you, how you did it or why you wanted to start it. But, like, how did you actually go about doing it? Like, when did that... 
Um, like two and a half like, years ago, turn this started. into a film. Yeah, well, it was a couple. It was honestly it, several things happening simultaneously. One was that I had that conversation with my buddy Joe, right? And so I knew, okay, that's the idea. Right after that conversation, I think he bought me a book called "Love Is a Mixtape" by Rob Sheffield, who's like one of he's been a contributor to like Rolling Stone and stuff like that. And this book is beautiful and absolutely broke my heart because basically every chapter. Uh, starts out with a track listing of a mix that he made his now deceased wife. And so the whole book is basically cataloging his relationship with his wife through mixtapes. Mm, wow. And so when I read that, I was like, holy shit, like, this is very powerful. And at the same time, I was also reading another book, a very low, uh, low but kind of like an indie book that my buddy Gavin Hignited wrote called The Freak Table. And Gavin and I worked with at Fearnet uh, when that was a thing. And, and it was very <laughs> semi-autobiographical, just about being a weirdo, like, in a small town and trying to discover other weirdos and music, you know, usually through music and stuff like that. And so I was reading these books, and they all reminded me of that time period, which I kind of, I don't want to call it nostalgia, but I, but I miss it, because I, I just miss that form of communication um, and what it meant to put that time and effort into stuff. I mean, even now, it's like, you go to a concert, I was just thinking the other night, I went to some show, and... and that there's a different feeling now waiting for an artist to come out because you could pull your phone out or you know text somebody or whatever whereas mm. in the old days there was none of that shit if you're waiting for the act there's like this weird Staring intensity the in the air and you can like, feel I can't it wait for them to come out when it they starts come, to get a little out? bit more and maybe you'll actually talk to the person next to you god forbid oh my god oh my like, oh, what do you think they're gonna play oh my god have you seen them a bunch yeah, i've seen them like five times or whatever the case is right so i kind of miss that energy that comes from from communicating but the great thing about doing this doc is it has evolved it's not the same thing but there is versions of what we're doing that may, might not have the same weight, but is equally as cool. Like, yep. I can send a friend in another country an MP3 of a song that really means something to me instantaneously, and then they will go on that rabbit hole on YouTube looking through that artist. And, you know what I mean? Like, that one chain of event can completely change their life for that night. That actually that happened sense. to me in um, the mid-2000s, whatever, um, I made a record with one of my bands and we've discovered this world of the internet. Like, we could put our music up. We could make a page yeah. on MySpace. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, and like, right there it was. <laughs> and we were like, alright, go, put up the song. And then we just sat there and watched and it was like, boop. Beep, boop, beep, 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 Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I'm in Germany. I'm like, oh, this oh. is new. Yeah. Like, this is... We would never have... Ever have gotten it out there from my bands in the 90s or yeah. whatever, or, like, early 2000s. It was just... All of a sudden, it was a whole new world. And we could make a full record and not worry about getting it distributed... And like it was like oh, distribution, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that was the benefit. <laughs> it's distributed, and like millions of people would listen to our songs. I was like, oh, we're good. And then That's we could tour good. America, and like people would pay for it, and like it was great. That was a cool. Right then, in the mid mid to late two thousands, was kind of the that golden period of that because I missed it. My band broke up around two thousand four, two thousand five, when MySpace was just starting to <laughs> kick off with the music thing. But like, missed it. you had the power to get your music out 
to all these people yeah, that never heard it. And more importantly, tour. Like, that was the crazy thing is, like, you didn't have to go through, I mean, I, what was it, like, Book Your Own Fucking Life was, like, the website or magazine you had to buy never and call really, people yeah. about yeah. playing in their basement, maybe. But then, like, on MySpace, it's like, hey, we're trying to find a spot here, and somebody in that town will reply to you, and You're now like, all hey, of a sudden... come play the, you know, this bar our basement. on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> come play our basement, please. What I'm but happy about possible. with my own life, just for, sorry, everyone else, I got the... I've lived both worlds. So, like, I had... Way before that, where you just like had to punch and fight your way yeah. through America and make flyers to make, fl- yeah, I mean literally like flyers. making like, make flyers. Like I, we went to like Kinkos and like put a picture and then like put all these like dots on the thing and then we put it on the thing. And we're like, hopefully this comes out, yeah. right? And yeah. then we like, oh, this is good. And then yeah. we we're like, oh, that's the one. And then we put it down. And then we made like a thousand of them, and then we went to out. the clubs yeah. and passed them out. That's what we did all through the nineties. That's yeah. what, that was my life. Every night we were going two thousand because there's a show coming up. Yeah, two thousand is like it's a got a show tomorrow. Bye. And you reached fifty times more people in, a, in ten minutes than you would have yeah. oh, all, no, I'm not, all day doing that. I'm not saying but that's like that's what's crazy. Back in my day, like I'm not, I mean, but it is no, kind no, of that it's, though. It's, it's easier to you ignore. Had, you were in that. It wasn't better back in my day. It's amazing now. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. But um but no I've learned that that uh, there is hope. Kids kids are super cool. In fact the other day, my buddy my buddy Scott who I worked with on the Dexter podcast, he's got a sixteen year old kid that's all into makeup effects. And always looking for weird music and stuff like that. And I remember I bought him uh, a... He, he's got into this weird, like, prog rock phase where he's, like, listening to, like, Caius and, like, <laughs> Atomic Rooster and just, like, weird shit. Fuck yeah. And so I bought him a tool like record. That, I like Caius. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's awesome. Caius like was pretty rad. Yeah. Jacob Strong, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but I bought him a uh, tool, uh, uh, Letter Outs, which is, like, all like prog tools, rock. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, they don't have any stuff on Spotify. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, they don't. Here you yeah. go. Here's the record. Here's the- and just this weekend, uh, uh, he's like, hey, man, that record you got me is so awesome. And, like, I respect that they're not on Spotify because, like, it made me work to, like, hear the record. And it's awesome. And, and it's like, see, all right, there's some kids that still... <laughs> Spoken like a like true 16-year-old. They, yeah. they still dig. But it kind of got to my heart. It was but like when, I, oh, when cool. I was a kid, you used to go to like, you used to go to these, um, um, used to find these things in the back of magazines mm-hmm. with like the albums. Yep. Um, whether it was, you know, like some punk rock magazine, you'd be like, check, 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 oh, this one, oh, check, check this. And then you put your address... It was like ordering X-ray specs from like a, you know it was kind of like that, and then you rip out the page and a then secret you send it to them, ring is here. and then all of a sudden you pray that these forty fives showed up at your door because yeah, yeah. you sent a check or like your mom gave a you money cash order. or some <laughs> money order to yeah. some dude yeah, you're some, never getting some those guy 45. in some the back like, <laughs> in his basement. He's like, I produce all these punk rock records, yeah, yeah. and like they're gonna be amazing. And you're like, I hope I get them, and every once in a while they show up. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, this one is so good, and this one's so good. But it's like, you never heard from these bands ever again. They're like yeah. in the middle of, you know, nowhere. Not if it's on a 45. Yeah, it's on a 45, and then it was like a flip side was a different band. Yeah. From the same They're doubling up label. from the same label? Oh, no, that's how, that's how, that's how you do. From like Lou Pearlman's cousin? Well, that's how you do it. <laughs> oh, gross. No, that's how you do when you're like a 
punk rock. You know, yeah. like, we're gonna do we're gonna do one song. You do the flip. And yeah. We'll do it. We'll do a. We'll do a, a, a. You know. We'll do a double seven inch or whatever. And I, I love that whole, shit. There's a Pro. whole stack of those right there. That's all <laughs> nice. like '97. There's a stack of them in a basement right. from my band with another band that oh, no awesome. one bought. <laughs> no one said send it off and Patreon. <laughs> Sell them now. Dot com forward slash. If you want a Ryan old forty-five on one side and oh, some other band, they're stacked up in someone's. They're basement stacked up. We'll yeah. find. They're not in Marlene's. Are they in Marlene's basement? Well, we I think Marlene doesn't have a basement. We should find it because we're out of t-shirts. <laughs> oh, good. So there you Let's go. Put that up. I want the first one if you find it. <laughs> Almost seriously. No, I mean, that's my one biggest regret is that I never, never put any of my own music on vinyl. Oh, and I wish I did. No, I've got. We I've, only did demo I tapes. I have white vinyl. I've got vinyl on bunny ear thing. I've, there's a lot of. Ryan Lambert vinyl around the world. Wow. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I have like a box of CDs if anybody wants them. Those plastic things. What's a CD? If anybody wants them. I call them coasters. But <laughs> if you want one. I was going with Frisbee, but you know. If that's you have a CD that's on, only if you open it. I was going with Clay Pigeon. <laughs> That's good. I'll pigeon <laughs> at, those things. At the skeet range. Oh my god, let's go. <laughs> oh my god. All of us. Let's pigeon. That's oak tree, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. We'll go out. I got it. I'm in. I've got the I've got the twelve gauge and we'll just get some. Oh. <laughs> LFO! <laughs> LFO! <laughs> Kill more! I just did! Totally <laughs> <laughs> in. Alright, what else? Rob's going. Around? He's he's gonna be the guy throwing him in the air. Yeah. I mean they don't the irony is they don't last. Like, if you have a DVR that you burn in the 90s because it's been 20 years now, like, a lot of my old oh, that's got a... DVRs don't, uh, not DVRs, CDRs. CDR. They kind of yeah, don't play you... anymore. Oh, right? really? Yeah. Like, did they warp or just, like, the... They skip or they don't register the information or whatever, but, mm-hmm. like, if you go back to, like, a disc you burned 20 years ago... It's not the same. It's probably not going to work. That's the irony of the CD. And that's the irony of the original compact discs were made out of titanium mm-hmm. and could not be scratched or damaged. That's why they cost like $55. Yeah. Because I had friends that came back in like 83. Uh, I was best friends with uh, this kid and we played like rec league basketball. And uh, his dad was a big movie producer. Mm-hmm. And they went to France for like three or four months to, sh- to do a movie and the whole family. When he came back, he goes... Look at this thing. Mm-hmm. We're like, what is this? A compact disc. He goes, it's called a compact disc. Did it come in the long it, box? Lo- no, yeah. it was even it was. They didn't do that. That long box was to do the so it held up in LP yeah, yeah. and stores, right? Yeah. But it was it was th- it it. it, it. <laughs> Did I ruin it? Don't ruin the mic. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, I can taste there it. There may be smoke in our lungs, right? Yeah. The. Uh, but it was thick and it was hefty. Yeah. And he had a compact disc player, and we lost our mind. We're like, what is this alien shit? Sounds crystal clear. And it was Depeche Mode. <laughs> Do you remember the first CD that you bought? Yes. Yourself. Go. Um, I got the player first, and it was C. It was uh, uh, compact disc down here, double deck. Mm. And then it actually had a Record. LP. I, yeah. I, right. Um, and I was like, ooh, what is, like, what's this? <laughs> um, and the first, I went to the store and I bought 
Belinda Carlisle, Heart of Gold. Wow. And Van Halen. What? All right. What was your first? <laughs> Gene Arlies. Okay. It had just come out. This is what, like, 89? It had, like, the newspaper-y looking... Newspaper-looking name. It was in the big long box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got Oh, they the all were in the long box when it first came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was always, like... Because like, that was literally to fill the space in the... In, no, it was to fill the space in the LP thing, right? right. In the store. Until they came up Because the retailers didn't ones. want to. They didn't really want to upgrade. No, they don't want to change and spend the money on yeah, yeah. a new shell. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah. So let's waste some paper. Yeah. But mine yeah, I was wa- super into Mine wasn't as cool. So. Well, you said Belinda Carlisle. Yours is never is... as cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it was... Uh... I, bet you, I bet you'll swallow those words. <laughs> All right, go. What is it? Born in the USA. Bruce Springsteen. All right. I'm down with that. Not a bad album? You're saying no, it's, it's a, a great album? record. It's not as bad. Okay. It's not as good as Belinda Carlisle? It's definitely not as good as Belinda Carlisle. Did you know Belinda Carlisle played New Year's Eve last year at the Universal Hilton? I did. Did you wow. meet her? No. <laughs> did you put it in? Bite me. <laughs> what Henry, were, can you grab me one of these? Yes. What was your first... Go. Well, go. CD? Yes. CD was Gene Arlott's. You just said that. Right. No, no, no. You uh, just said that. I know. Concert. Take, concert. Concert. Oh. Oh, God. Um, and not, like, I mean, Sans parents. Uh, I won't, my, my brothers took me to the Rolling Stones, and I fell asleep. You're rough. <laughs> That's not, but it makes a good story. But In Living Color opened, and I was super pumped about that. I remember that, that show. I was at, wait, it was, in, in L.A., it was in Living Color and Guns N' Roses. Yes, Guns N' Roses was not on the tour in New York. Right. So it was just... I was there. It was just in it Living was at, Color and Rolling Stones. I went to... Steel Wheels, maybe? Was that, it was Steel Wheels was Tour. It was Steel Wheels Tour. It was at the Coliseum... L.A. Coliseum. It was Living Color. Yeah. And then Guns N' Roses came on, who I had seen like three days earlier at the Go-Go. Yeah. I was like, eh, fuck this L.A. Side band. note. Yeah. Cult of Personality could be one of... It's it's in my like... There's like, I don't know, 20, 30 perfect songs. Really? That Cult is one of Personality. Them. By Living Color? Really? Anytime that song comes on. Interesting. That riff, the vocals... Fucking solo that hits that hits you. Okay. How come they never hit after that first? Record? I don't know, but that one song is. They perfect. made a few other records. That, they did, but that one song. They're still around. The cult yeah. <laughs> It's like Pearl Jam. Gross. It just makes me want to like. <laughs> Pearl Jam. Gross. <laughs> I'd rather listen to Pearl Jam, and I don't want to listen to Pearl Jam. I How about the cult? Living, wow. I hate the cult. I know what? you do. Firewoman. He doesn't like the cult. I don't, wow. I don't like anything. Right. And you know what? Like you know what song like for you, Cult of Personality, gets me is the cult. She sells sanctuary. Wow. I don't know. I like that song. All right. I don't like his like shirt that. in the video, but I love the song. What does that have to do with what? the music? <laughs> he ruins the song I with hated the shirt. His shoelaces. They were no, he terrible. Wore, no, so he I wore like that. I don't want to be the pirate shirt. <laughs> it's the same fucking shirt. I will say in the last like 10, 20 years, I've liked bands less once I see them, what they look like. Right. That, right. Well, that's Where in the what, 80s, you grew up on TV and music. Where, like, oh, video so killed cool. the radio star because everybody looks great. But it's like, you know, like I got into some of the emo bands. When you listen to like, like I want to know oh. what love is. You and got into emo bands, the they're never that, the... That wouldn't fly these days. 
Like you mean those, like the wait, people that are in those things wouldn't I'm buy? Evil, I'm evil, I'm evil. Peter Cetera these days would be like, who the hell is that? And Peter Cetera made seventy five bazillion dollars. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he was by doing movie soundtracks because and we all didn't give a fuck what they looked like then. We yeah. were like, oh my god, this song is fucking bonkers. Yes. <laughs> and you know what proves your statement? Two words. Michael Bolton. Yeah. He sold a lot of records. Does not prove anything. <laughs> no, I'm saying that the look doesn't matter what they look like. Yeah, Michael I, Bolton had... No, you know what? Say, well, I respect Michael Bolton when I'm he cut all that is, shit off and he's all in I don't want to listen to Michael Bolton now. That's badass Michael I will Bolton. listen to like, I want to know what love is. <laughs> and you're like, that's insane. Who wrote that? Who sang that? Like, oh my God. I guarantee and you he, made a mixtape little... to some of the Michael Bolton song on it. I... No. Yeah. No. 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 No, 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 Michael Bolton. Are you sure? A thousand percent. I bet not. I bet not. I bet not. I bet you there's someone you put a Michael Bolton song on. No. 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 Dude. You don't. I never used Michael Bolton. He's like, damn it. I will. I wish I. How did you find that? I wish I would have brought my mixtapes because I have them. Oh, you still have them? Yeah. The ones that someone made me. But also, I could access maybe one of the only persons that I made mixtapes for. And, God, I could text her right now. I'd be like, send me those mixtapes. <laughs> uh, right? he, he only made me one mixtape. <laughs> I never got the second one. You never mailed it. It didn't get there! <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was never, it was always like, 80s, like, serious goth slash 70s. Morrissey, The late. Cure. It was a little bit. The Smiths. A little bit. But it was mostly, like, I love that Valley part. Girl soundtrack. So that's great been, soundtrack. I can tell you, this it's has been my favorite part of the process is hearing people do what you just did, is, like, listing the songs or the change or whatever. Uh, there's, there's a guy named Christian James Hand who I'm a huge fan of. He does this show called The Session on Air. And I interviewed him for the doc. And one of my favorite scenes, which I laugh at every time, is he talks about the transition in college where he's like, this tape just appeared. And it had <laughs> Bauhaus and Ministry. And That's what it was. Season cool. he's like, yeah. And he's like, it, it was a cutter. It was, it was a cutter for sure. And like knowing that story, he's like, but, but he's like, but I like Phil Collins where... That's more about trying to find the strength to cut, not actually cutting. People go on these tangents about, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. Is it the lyrics <laughs> or the music? For what? For the cutting. For the cutting? It's the lyrics and it's the... It's I mean, the, is it the boop, 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 boop. I can feel it. Cut. <laughs> like, I'm done. Is that what it's about? I thought it was a guy about a guy in a pool. I thought it was like two like dudes driving a boat trying to get some you know, donuts. What? No, getting like you know making sure the bad guys were dead. Really? Man, Isn't I that what that was about? That. You mean was Miami like, Vice? I got nothing but respect for driving Phil. a boat. Like love Phil Collins. I mean Genesis was okay, <laughs> but Phil, great. One of the best concerts I ever saw. I went, oh, to really? a, I went to a handful of really good concerts. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw Phil Collins at the Forum, mm-hmm. the Take Me Home Tour. Great fucking album. Is that what they called it? Yeah. It was to, dude, did you... Or maybe it was called <laughs> Carousel. Because the album was Carousel, right? Okay. And Take Me Home was the tour. Take 
Take me home. Because I don't, don't remember. remember. What? It's interesting how, like, we kind of harmonize because you can't sing high. As I can't high sing high. high. Right. And so you it can, sounds so like I go, you're harmonizing, but you're But not. we're not really. Um, <laughs> we're just going on. Uh, <laughs> take me home. Like the tiki things at uh, Disneyland. Because <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Great concert. Yeah, but the whole thing, like that song where they do the take, the whole, you didn't realize until the end of the show that the whole stage was a carousel and then it clo- uh, like it closed around this di- mind showmanship what were your first concerts do you remember yes you go first well you said sans parents but i don't uh oh no sans parents sa- not first? sans parents was jackson's victory tour at dodger stadium huh wow <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't Sans. lame. I said it was Jackson's. You now said, okay. Sans' parents. Uh, maybe Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh, that's a Ooh. good one. Yeah. Or either Julian Lennon. That's Hell no. With a friend of mine who was dad was the exec at Universal, so we went to Universal Amphitheater and so I had great seats to a ton of. My shows. first concert, Sans' parents, was also at Universal Amphitheater. Was it? It wasn't Echo and the Bunnymen. Nope. It was... Wait, 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 wait. Give a hint. Robin can get it. What's the letter? What's the first letter? M. Metallica. Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. (laughs) It's so Michael Bolton! Way sexier. Michael Jackson? It was Madonna. Yes. It was Madonna. That was the obvious. Come on. You know who opened for her? Michael Michael Bolton. (laughs) It was like a version tour, the Universal Amphitheater. Mm-hmm. It was the first concert I 80, ever went 86 to. 86 or something? What was that? 80... I don't fucking know. 84? And I sat in the second row. I was And the opening act was the Beastie Boys. Hey. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. a show. That's before, like... before they put out License to Ill. That's so pretty cool. Everyone was like, Who what the is fuck is this? <laughs> is this? When we walked out, the girl that I went with bought, like, the Madonna shirt and the program. And I'm like, I'm buying that Beastie Boys shirt, right? (laughs) It was, like, black, and it didn't say their name on it. It was just their heads. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, I like it. Now, were they as polished then as they no, were like no. when we went to the Greek theater and saw them Seven with Run DMC? Seven in a row with Run DMC. Yeah. yeah. That That's was, a show. That was wow. after they came out and became the number one That was the license group. That was the, the license to Ill Tour, right? And, yes. And the, they, yes. Yeah. They're the, first, on, on they're the first rap group to ever go number one. Wow. Yeah. Three Jews from fucking Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Money Mark of the Beastie Boys. <laughs> Thanks, is White in America. My as well. Wait, wait, say that again. The great Money Mark from the Beastie Boys is I, in my documentary as well. It, oh, wow. is it? Lovely. Great. Yeah. Spent wow. a full day at his studio. Very wacky guy. Is your name Michael Diamond? I, <laughs> no, my name's Clarence. Um, I, I love that. When though. is this coming out? Um, when do we get. Are you going to festival it first or. Do we get to actually That's a good see question. I, I, right now we're trying... So here's the complicated thing about it. We, we cut it together. 
and it was about, I want to say, 75 minutes long. And it was, you know, no credits, just to see it. And it was really good, but we were like, and it was my original idea. We were like, oh, it's, it'll be talking heads, and then we'll go into some narrative threads. Yeah. Because the best stuff we got was the narrative threads. Like, literally hearing a father-son talk about their connection through music, and a cup, two couples. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. like that's that's great. One of the couples is actually uh, a rock star couple. It's Chantal Claret and Jimmy Yearn from Mindless Self-Indulgence and their romance. So that's really fun. But we watched and I'm like, this is really good. But not that something was missing, but it felt like, oh, what else can we do? What else can we do? And so we needed one more narrative thread to go throughout the whole thing. And so what we did was there was a, one of the bits at the end was a father-daughter and the daughter's name is Hazel. She's 15 years old. She looks kind of like Molly Ringwald. <laughs> totally quirky, really good taste, fun. But, you know, of the audience that won't get this because they didn't grow up on mixtapes. And so basically, um, my producer slash cameraman, Buzz Wallach, is like, you know what? We need more Hazel. And so what we did was we went to, her, we went to their place with their parents' permission and basically, I helped Hazel make a mixed tape on tape for her dad. Oh, so... But oh, we didn't tell her cute. dad. We right. spent the whole day going through the whole process. I showed her scenes, each scene, so that she could take the advice of the people in the doc. And we shot all that as a way to, like, go through the process. And now, we have our heart and soul. That's a, Which that's is a, her. That's a great idea. And actually, And it was so fun, because here's the thing, like... I forgot about certain aspects of the process until we sat down and did it again. For example, and I mean, these are a lot of funny, quirky things. For example, we'd figured out basically how many songs to put on each side. And the tape deck, the side A ended early in the middle of a song. And she's like, oh no, what does that that mean? And I'm like, it ended ended three songs early. That means we have to completely rethink this. We can't go to side B. There's three songs missing that you wanted on this tape. And she's like, oh my God. And so we went through that process because I forgot that you had to time it just right. Yeah. And then the even funnier thing was... uh, Because you didn't have the Maxell extra long... We had had a... Standard play. 90-minute gold tape straight from Urban Outfitters. (laughs) <laughs> of course, that's the only place we can get it. How much does a tape from Urban Outfitters cost? I, I don't know. She already, had, she already had it. But that was actually, that's a really funny bit uh, that we shot, is all these people talking about their the tapes, their preferred tape. Because uh, most people are like, oh, I used, you know, Type 2 Bias or, you know, <laughs> TDK, TDK or Maxo, whatever. Yeah. And, like, for us of our age, we I find that hilarious. I'm like, oh, there's a great scene. And then I showed it to her, and she's like, I have no idea what these people are saying at all, but I have a gold tape from Urban Outfitters. She's never seen Is It Live or Memorex. How iconic was that fucking commercial? Yes, and we used that bit in there. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and and his drink moves, and he... It's great. Yeah, you're like, oh, I want to use that tape, because that guy, in front of his stereo. And then we actually went on... That guy's in there. We went on... um, We had to go on Facebook (laughs) and ask if anyone out there had a tape deck in their car still, because we had to have her do the car test. And that's amazing footage because we get in the car and she's like, okay, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, all right, that thing that's taped like, like shaped like a tape, put the tape in it. And she's like, but I don't understand. And I'm like, go ahead. And so she does it. Wow. And she's like, oh God, this sounds awful. And I'm like, I know, but let's just keep listening. And she's like, but I want to hear my transition. And I'm like, all right, fast forward to the next track. And so she literally does this. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I just tapped for a second. I was like, okay, I hate to break it to you. 
You have to hold down that button it's for like, like seventy-five it's, seconds and hope that we've gotten fifteen seconds forward. Right. Again, it's something I completely forgot about. You don't like, remember. And you're gonna the hear actual, it too. Yeah. You have to hold it for a long time to get anywhere. Uh, and so it's it fun rediscovering those bits. And so oh my now, god, we're all talking about now we're putting all that footage in, and we're also trying to figure out music because music is ridiculously expensive to license, and yes. we don't have any money for that. Right. But we've been fortunate in that a lot of the people that are in the dock that do own their music have grace gracefully offered to give it to me. That was going to be okay. That was actually going to be my question when you mentioned that. That's a great way to do that, and then also make it all kind of part of the. Well, we got, we got, I mean, I'll tell you, we, we got uh, Jenna Matraga from the band Far, gave me a ton of his music, which is great. Jimmy Urin, who, who was in it, has a bunch of stuff. But really, the, the, the mother load for me is there's an artist called Pilot Priest, who is just a electronic artist. And uh, Waxworks Records, who primarily does soundtracks, had done one of his albums just as a one-off. And it's, it's all named after 80s movies. Uh, but it's all electronic, cool soundtrack music. That and I, right. I was like listening to it on the way home from it's an one editing of them session with Danny's. It's probably called Sloth. I will pull it out after. Maybe there's a Goonies track on there. <laughs> but I, I was listening to it on the way home from They're one fine. of our editing Literally sessions and be like, man, if I had access to this music, it'd be amazing. Mm. And so I was like, fuck it. Let me reach out to him and maybe I can cut some sort of deal or whatever. And uh, I went through Waxworks Records. They put me in touch with the guy. Turns out he's a huge fan of the podcast, of the cycle. Like, he totally knew who I was. Perfect. And was like, anything you want to use, just use it. It's all get like, we'll... Just gave me full rights. Wow. Gave me full rights to his entire... Awesome. And he's got tons of music. Turns out he's a director. And have you seen the anthology Holiday? Holidays? No. There's, it's, uh, it's an independent... Anthology. The fur. It's all. Each short is based on a different holiday from the year. Oh no! I, I, I have. Wait, so, the, so the opening one is, is, isn't this. someone currently doing that? Uh, probably another one. Uh, <laughs> like, well, Blumhouse is doing a <laughs> right. Yes. But there's already an anthology that exists. It, right. Kevin Smith did one, which is right. The, the weakest That's why one. I know about it. But the opening <laughs> one is uh, Valentine's Day by the Starry Eyes uh, right. directors, which is great. Right. But the one Father's Day was directed by this guy, Pilot Priest. Oh, cool! And it, it stars Jocelyn Donahue from House of the Devil, and it was one of my favorite skits. I just it didn't connect that I was like that musician is also this kick-ass filmmaker. Really? Yeah. And so he he totally got it and was like, yeah, whatever mind you want to use, just use it, and we'll figure it out later. That's a great filmmakers. Game. Musicians turned into filmmakers. Who? Besides Rob Zombie, who else? Oh man. Mm. Did Cave. I just ruin it? Well, yeah, Nick Cave is he a pretty screen writer. He, he yeah. wrote a, like one of the best westerns. I love that movie. With the proposition, yeah. I love, I love that movie. But who has made? Who actually has like directed and like made a film? Michael Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know too many musicians that have. Gone Henry Ro- Henry Rollins. Ugh. No, he's never directed anything. He's never directed anything. No. I don't think we have one. No. I mean, I, maybe Rob Zombie. Rob No, there's no way. There's got to be some that have made a film. I mean, does Madonna marrying a director? No. No. 
No, no, no. Jacob, go in the other room now. <laughs> no. Musicians who have made a film. Wow. There's gotta be a billion of them that everyone. Everyone's gonna write him, but dumbass. <laughs> I can't think of any. It's gonna be like nerd fail. <laughs> hmm. I'm gonna go into my uh, contemplative. D. Snyder produced there you go. Strangeland. Strangeland. No, no. Did he not direct not it? Not counting it. Not he counting. He might have directed. Dude, straight. I think he did. I'm pretty too. sure he wrote and directed the. Boy, if there was only like a like a thing like with a database and like a. Portal. And a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a device to get into this If only there was a thing. <laughs> that contained all the information in the history of in, yeah. in the In the history of world. <laughs> Except for all of the information that was burned in the Library of Alexandria. I mean, wait, what? Just let it go. Let <laughs> That's all the important info. Musicians who... He have wrote it. He did not direct it. He did not direct it. Wow. But that movie was creepy. He wrote, produced, and starred in it. Did not direct it. What is it? Okay. Strangeland. Strangeland? Oh. D. Snyder? Yeah. 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 Strangeland and D. Snyder. Uh, Henry Rollins has never directed anything. No, he just star- he started. Musicians who have been in movies that successfully pulled it off. Joe Perry in Be Cool, the follow-up to Get Shorty. <laughs> He's terrible. I mean, As actors, you mean. David Bowie, Hunger... Like David Bowie's kind of pretty good. David I actually Bowie just watched. Yeah, and I just watched Into the Night. Share Moonstruck. I mean, like, where Empire are we going? Share Burlesque. People that were mask literally consider musicians mask. first. Share Mask. Oh yeah. She was kind of an actress. But she was, you said actor, show. not filmmaker. We're off a of filmmaker. But she was on like a no, variety as, show. But she started as Sunny and Cher. Right. True. All right. So she's always, but she's an all-around performer. Okay. Barbara Streisand. She's directed stuff. Did she start out as a musician first? Yeah, she was a singer first, right? Yeah. I Chris Christopherson. Don't know. Oh, there we go. Star is awesome. born. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, Madonna. Uh-huh. Body of Evidence. Dick Tracy. She had a good run there. She, no, I thought I we're just performing or directing. Dick Tracy, I'll give you Body of Evidence. I mean, I don't know oh, if I mean, my, desperately seeking Susan and who's that girl? Yes. I like who's that girl. Joy. Yeah. yeah. Because desperately seeking Susan stars Roseanne Arquette. Gre- no, that's that's yes. Um, <laughs> so we're all that's my we're, favorite. But who's that girl? Is Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn. Who's one of my heroes? Yes, and that is a Griffin Dunn movie. Yeah. So we're off of musicians that have directed into musicians that have performed Actors. and yes. made great movies. Musicians. There's only one. But aren't shitty. You can't be in a shitty movie. You're gonna say a shitty movie. You're gonna say a musician. <laughs> okay, keep, keep going. No, go ahead, go, 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 go. Who is it? Purple Rain. Ugh, that doesn't count. What? I guess Terrible. it counts. <laughs> what? What? Because it's just not the him. movie. Just it's just him doing him. Yeah, Prince is in a whole other world. Yeah, like that's the Prince doing. Kind of. That's Prince. In and I love Prince. Prince. But that's fine. It's everything else in the movie. It's I'm Prince. Prince. It's more that movie should be called Jerome. Jerome throws a woman in a dumpster. They're all Terrible. playing themselves. <laughs> I'm talking about a musician who has decided to do a film where they're going to play. A character. Under the Cherry Moon. <laughs> he directed that movie. I thought we were back on directors. <laughs> the one that surprised me, that has made a successful transition, and is actually a decent actor, Justin Timberlake. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, I don't like. Trust me. Only I've on never Saturday Night Live, though. Uh, I've never not heard. Going down to Squawkesville. <laughs> I don't even know which band he was in. Oh my god, that's amazing. In sync. In sync. I've never heard In sync. But and he showed up in movies, and I've been annoyed. But I'm trying to think of what I've seen him in recently. I was like, actually, you know, he's not that. Films, not a bad actor. Good, social, the social. In good, time. That was fine. Oh, Social Network. But he's, but he's the best on Saturday Night Live. That's fine. I just bought that. I haven't watched it yet. That's in Time's a good care. one. I'm talking about, oh, we haven't found it yet. Who's the musician who did a part in a film? We've given you like seven. But Justin Timberlake did Saturday Night Live. That's not a film. He did several films. He's done a million yeah, they, of them. And he, he's, he's in terrible Academy in the films. Social Network. Just because the film got nominated for Academy Award doesn't mean he was. I so know what's, what's, you wait, want. Uh, what's the question? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're confused. We want to help you, Ryan. Because is the answer Ryan Lambert? <laughs> Sharon Mask. I mean, I'm saying like, that that's we said Sharon Mask. We, we said it. No, I'm saying though. those are good examples. We just came back to Sam Elliott. Did we? Was he a Mask? musician? Oh, he is in Mask. Oh, it doesn't matter. You can come back to Sam Elliott anytime. Jim Martin from Faith No More in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> Oh, Not a good performance, God. but bless him for trying. <laughs> Anthony Kiedis and Flea in anything that they do. Flea, I would say, good in Suburbia. Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future, yeah. yeah. Right. All right, now we're getting somewhere. The Chase? Or, uh, nothing in the Chase? They're, they're both in the Chase. They're both in the Chase. Flea and Kiedis are both in Point Break, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, but, Kiedis is, for but sure. Anthony okay, Kiedis let's also is, be fair, too. Anthony Kiedis was also, like, a kid actor in our... It, like, before he was a... His dad... Before he was, like, a spicy right. condiment. His Black dad was in Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Anthony keeps keeps right. step, right? and it all and comes back around <laughs> to Shane Black. <laughs> <laughs> what you said, Lethal? Do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we Shane promised Black we weren't going to talk about it. Demil or something? Damil? Who? What? One where? Oh, I don't know his name. But he was he was a character actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's the ponytailed guy. He's that guy. Yeah. You see him, and you're like, oh. Exactly. You're like, oh. People in Iowa would be like, oh, that, oh, guy. that guy. But they wouldn't be like, Anthony oh, Kiedis' dad. dad. Right. Or else, like, homeboy. That's the dad of the girl at the one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that, like, uh, she's like, oh, I hate actors. Oh, I My dad's an actor. It's also like the we, guy that we won. Have, we have a girl first, that's, that's the guy like, that won the server. first round of, like, um, what's that, Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon <laughs> shit? Yes. So the guy that like won that thing, he was like, "I'm a horror guy." Beep, beep, beep. Oh, John Guler? Yes, really. Oh, he's okay. great. Yeah, but his dad is like Clue Guler. Like, he's like a, yeah. he's like legendary. He's yeah. like, no, he's just got this. This in the back like of one, the new like, Beverly, like, right? With Marilyn Monroe, I'm right. with, like Jane Mansfield. I'm yeah. like, and then, and then this guy makes this film. He's like, my dad's gonna be in it, and they're like, fuck that guy. He's like, no, no, this guy knows the, how to make movies. He's yeah. in movies. The, yeah. This He'll is be when the guy. movies were yeah, movies. Yeah. I love that. I love that. When I saw when I watched that season, I was like, oh, that's oh, oh yeah, he knows what he's doing. And then at the end he was like, the director, John, was like, You guys just fucking please just let me do it. Yeah. And it yeah. turned out to be an amazing film. I love it. And it's the piece, only yeah. film of oh, that piece, thing yeah. that actually piece. made a, a profit. Yeah. I've never seen Project Greenlight, but I loved they showed the opening the, five minutes. The movie's of good. 
Yeah. At like at a horror convention in Jersey, and Judah Freelander is there. Yeah. Who I love. He's in it. And uh, it's just that was Monster Mania. <laughs> no, it was it was a Fangoria weekend of horrors when they were doing them in Brooklyn mm. and then Jersey for a, a short period right. of time there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we met Judah Friedlander at Monster Mania in a Crown Plaza yeah, yeah. in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yeah, because, because, hi Judah. Because he was like doing stand up in the bar. I was there. I no, was there for that. The no. bar of yeah. the hotel. Because yeah. he was and grabbing Phoebe the Beeps. He was amazing. Huh? He was grabbing Phoebe the Beeps. Yes, and we were there too. How weird <laughs> yeah. is that? How, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. Grabbing people. now, what now? What was weird is we got because it was icy and snowy and couldn't go in. We got stranded. It was me, Ryan, Ashley, and Fred, and we were stranded at the Cheesecake Factory. And like one of the servers had to drive us home, <laughs> and he had no idea who the fuck he was driving home. I gotta go. I gotta that was go that home. weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love you to say home, home to the to the Crown <laughs> Plaza in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. All right, guys. It's a, uh, we got this. Are you, are you good? You good? I don't know. I've had like three, so this is, um. We well, can do part two in a minute, but let's. Wait, what's our time? We're probably at like. We're at 109. Yeah. What? Oh. <laughs> Somehow Andre wants to keep talking. Imagine that. It's, it's Friday night. I'm not doing anything. Um. I thought we were going to talk about Belinda Carlisle more. <laughs> well, Pat Benatar is more my speed. Oh, much, much bigger talent. Yeah. Not besmirching Belinda Carlisle. Mm-hmm. I Pat wasn't Benatar ever into, is... like, Pat Benatar. Oh. No, you she's should like... listen to my playlist. No, she's yeah. like, her teeth are, like, coming out, like, Wait, no, you don't be into way. her because she's, uh, not her looks. Her music's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I think she's a lovely looking woman. She is? Yeah. <laughs> I, no, her music to me is first. Like, <laughs> children of the Night? Hell is for Children? I wasn't into it. Shadows of the... We're I like the music. The yeah, her music's phenomenal. No, the music was great. She was a super powerful I was like, singular, you know, single act. Did you never put Pat Benatar on a mixtape? Nope. That wasn't my dad. That wasn't my thing. That wasn't what I did. But she was like, was Pat Benatar as like poppy zero. as we think, or was she actually music? I think she's actually she was marketed as a pop star. Yeah, but, but she, she had really talented. good. She was a rock star. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree, and still is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, zero agree. <laughs> zero agree on a Pat Benatar. What can we agree on? We she was just. On. Like singing agreement. songs that people wrote there. there. It's like shooting at the hot And she was like trying to play guitar. That's not her song. But oh, who was that? Not Pat Benatar. That was uh I am the warrior. <laughs> no, that's not Pat Benatar. Mm-hmm. Eh, might as well be. That's what like also I'm not saying part. It's those people. Those, Just those, what do you mean, else? those people? <laughs> those people? The women? Listen, Joan Jett blows them all away anyway. So. Thank you. Crimson and Clover remake. Doesn't matter if it's a cover. Great song. <laughs> Blew my mind. Huh? They did really great. <laughs> but there was, like, something about it that, like, it wasn't 
Because um, Pat Benatar is not the, Black Flag. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% telling you they did not write the lyrics. You think they're just machines? Oh, they're in the machine. No, I think they had, they were super talented, but they did not write those lyrics. Okay. <laughs> Shooting at the heart. That's not Pat Benatar. It doesn't matter if it's Pat Benatar. I'm saying, like, those... The, they those people? They didn't, write, they didn't write those lyrics. No, well, I, I will give you... I don't think Duran Duran wrote the lyrics. I don't think... Poison wrote their lyrics. I don't think I don't Guns N' Roses wrote their lyrics. Read. <laughs> Every rose has its thorn. You cry. You put that on a mixtape. I know no you did. Noel, 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 Noel. Who wrote that? Noel Gallagher. Born ah. is the king of Israel. No well. Yahweh wrote no that song. Well. Who wrote that? Yahweh. <laughs> I think Britney Spears wrote that song. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming. My name is Ryan Lambert. That's Rob G. And I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And no. you're Ryan Lambert? No. And he's Ryan G. I'm Pat Benatar. Shooting at the roll. That's not Pat Benatar. Bang, bang. That's <laughs> No, that's my bit. Oh. All right. Squawk <laughs>